0: In this season, we've heard a lot of stories, and in those stories, we've heard of a lot of brokenness. Broken hearts, broken bodies, broken spirits. And we can ask a couple questions, like, how could a good God allow so much brokenness? Or, can God redeem the deepest of brokenness? We may think of the brokenness in our own lives and wonder, what hope is there? How can I come back from this? And if you've been listening to these stories you have heard stories of coming back from the darkest deepest places from the most hopeless moments and today's guest patricia really brings this home she has this phrase she loves to use from broken to beloved and her story captures it so well because in just a short conversation i learn of so much brokenness that she has had to endure but she comes to us with a smile on her face and joy in her voice because she knows that although she was broken, she is beloved. And what she has discovered, you can discover too, no matter what you're experiencing. So I hope this episode encourages you if you are in that broken place because God loves you deeply and your story is not done. You are listening to episode 96 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for this opportunity for Patricia and I just to pause in our day and just reflect on who you are and how you work. And there's a lot we could talk about, but we want to talk about whatever it is you want to invite us to talk about. So help us to hear whatever that is, guide our words, guide our thoughts, guide this conversation in such a way that it just becomes very clear that you're the one driving it. Protect us from any of our own motives or ambitions and let those be replaced with the abundantly more that you're after. And we just pray that you're glorified by all this. Let's pray in this holy and precious name. Amen. All right. So Patricia, you know, you get to be a part of something that happens far more often than I want it to. But I always say the same thing every time. We had a lot of technical issues coming into this. And I always say that I feel like when that happens, that means it's going to be a good episode. (laughs) So here we are. We made it before we jump into the conversation one thing that I like to do with guests is provide a way for them to share who they are in a fun and brief way and I do so by coming up with a random prompt and before I started recording I chuckled because I realized I have no idea what that prompt's going to be I don't know I don't know and then I immediately knew what it was going to be the short version of the story is I clicked on something I was duped yeah. and I have received 65 calls in the last, 20 hours. (laughs) Fortunately, T Mobile has a spam blocker. Most of those aren't getting through, but I can see how many times they have called. You know, they call and they immediately jump in because they know that if they give you any space to talk, you're going to hang up. So they want they jump in and they start sharing what they have to share. And they're doing it in a way that's like trying to be engaging and to keep you on the phone. So let's say here's your prompt that you want to introduce yourself to people. And for whatever reason, you've decided to go this route where you got a load of numbers and you're calling people and you know, people don't like spam calls. So the moment they say, hello, you are jumping in to share who you are and you want to do so in a way that you're keeping on them on the phone. So ring, ring, ring. I'm picking up the phone. I say, hello. What do you say to me?
1: Hello. Thanks for having me, by the way. I am a woman who has been a Christian since she was a young child, and in midlife, I became a very broken woman, and uh, my story is how I was broken like a glass doll on the floor in many pieces, and how I gave the pieces to him, and he put me beautifully back together and is still in the process.
0: I love it. All right, we're keeping the phone line open. So I don't know very much about you and I don't know much about your story, but one of the pieces that stood out in the small bit that I saw was the phrase broken to beloved. Mm-hmm. And you know, you mentioned being broken here. And so I wanna just jump right into hearing your story. Tell me the story of going from broken to beloved.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. I'm gonna start when I was 14 years old. And a Sunday school class teacher wanted to keep her students busy, 14-year-olds. So on a Friday night, she invited us to make quilts. Well, I don't know if you know many 14-year-old girls that want to go with their Sunday school class to make a quilt, but I went with a little help from my mother it turned out to be such a positive experience. And once I get into a little bit of my story, you'll know why I mentioned this. Well, it was a crazy quilt. She asked us to bring many, many, many little pieces of material from anything we might've been making, and we would make something beautiful out of it. So we'll leave that there for now. I um, went on with life, went to Bible college for three years. I just wanted to be what God wanted me to be and do what God wanted me to do, as we do when we grow up as a Christian in a church sometimes. Graduated, went on to get married, and had three children. Life looked really good from the curb, so they say. Somewhere I got this idea from growing up that I had to be perfect in everything and do everything right, not make any mistakes. I had to earn God's love and earn love from other people, which was so wrong, as we know. But it took me a lot of years to discover that wasn't true. So in my busyness, a little bit of what I was doing while raising my children, I was working at a bank as a bank teller. Every time I was asked to do something at church, I did it because I thought if I was a good Christian, I wouldn't say no. Mm. I didn't know how to say no back then. So I ended up playing the piano at church. I had two children under two at that time. I would be in charge of getting the nursery workers lined up, getting the specials lined up for church. I would go and deposit a child in each nursery, rush up, line up the singers, play the piano and do it all over again next Sunday. Mm -hmm. And with working full time, some of that time and keeping a household going, I reached burnout pretty quickly, as you can imagine. Many, many times the children would go to school and I would curl up in a fetal position. Mm -hmm. And go to bed and cry all day and then get up and freshen up and go and pick them up and resume the rest of the day. So I had some depression at that time, lots of anxiety. And that's where I was for a large part of my married life into my 30s and 40s. Wow.
0: There's a lot of things that even just in that first part of the story that really stand out to me, but you were talking about this perfection piece, right? And we really do have this idea that we have to be perfect. Like we have to be put together. There can't be any flaws. It's almost like what I wrote down as you were talking is we have this sense that we can't be beloved if we're broken. And so the only way (laughs) to be loved is to fix all of it. And not just to fix all of it, but to erase any signs that there was brokenness to begin with. So how did you go from there? Like, how did you go from this point to where you are now?
1: Well, I went on to continue to be more broken, if you can imagine. Mm. That was the beginning of a lot of brokenness. At age 35, I was diagnosed with cancer, thyroid cancer as if I hadn't felt broken enough, I felt really broken anyway, but I didn't know what was yet to come. And I had surgery. Five years later, it came back when I was 40. And I had two major surgeries at that time. Hmm. And I just want to mention that just before they put me out for the last surgery, which is what they call a radical neck surgery, where they kind of strip everything out of your neck. And all you're left is what you need to hold your head up, basically. (laughs) So, he put me out, the surgeon said, one thing I forgot to tell you, when you wake up, you may not have a voice. Because sometimes there's so many intricacies in this surgery that we can clip your vocal cord. So I remember thinking, Oh, God, you could just take me now. That's all right. Mm. You know, so when I woke up, you know, you do that little test on your voice. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, if I have a voice, I'm going to use for you someday. I don't know how, when." Where So podcasting is something I never thought I would do. I didn't want to use my voice, didn't like my voice, didn't think I had a strong enough voice, but I remember that prayer. So when the opportunity came along, I knew I should say yes to doing podcasting. The next thing that happened to me was after 31 years of marriage, I had a divorce, more brokenness, more being shattered. Shattered because trying to be this perfect Christian, Christian and divorce just doesn't go together sometimes. And that was a big no-no in the circles I was in, you know. And I remember going back and reading the Bible about women in the Bible, particularly that Jesus had a heart for. And some of those things came to me at that time. I rushed into another marriage and thought it would be okay, because this man was a pastor. And sometimes when we women are divorced, we rush into another marriage too quick. It was a disaster. And not because he was a pastor, but for other reasons, it was a disaster. So when I say I saw myself as a broken doll on the floor in many pieces, this is the part where I was completely broken. My children had grown up. And by this time, I was estranged from the three of them at varying levels for each of them. I was financially broken, devastated. My health was not good. Mm -hmm. The depression, anxiety came back full force, full on. And I felt homeless. I just felt just at the bottom, more broken than I ever could have imagined. And I remember saying, God, didn't I do it all right? I went to Bible college. I did everything I was supposed to do. Why is this happening to me? And it was like this little small voice said, but I didn't ask you to do all that. I thought no but i thought i should do it and i saw a much more loving god than i had seen all my life and this podcast is called where did you see god well i did see god all my life but he was more of a father that i had to work to earn his love and now i was seeing him that he loved me in my brokenness when i was shattered into many pieces and no place to turn Before that, I would have been able to fix it. I would have been able to patch something up. I would have been able to make it look good. But when you've lost everything and end up in those depths, you know if you ever stand up again, it'll be God's doing and not your own. And so I call that part of my story in the basement because my mother let me live in her basement right then. And I could tell many stories from that, but I'm just going to tell one little snippet if it's okay. Yeah. I remember carrying some clothes into her basement. Bear in mind, I was living in a shock zone, like a zombie. I I wouldn't even let myself feel anything. And one of my items of clothing fell in the snow, the hanger in the snow. And I can remember looking down at it, just crying, say, Lord, this can't be happening. It's like a bad dream. Where am I? Where am I going? What is this all about? What was it all for? I went on to be more depressed and suicidal at this time. So on Boxing Day 2016, I want to give you that date because that was the day of my lowest. I was going to take my life. Mm. I was going to drive my car off the bank. It was icy. So I thought it'll look like I just slipped down over the edge. You know, I felt like such a failure. Mm. I let God down. I let everybody down. I felt let myself down. So there's a little humor in this story. It was Saturday night. I called a homeless shelter for women that I knew in our town. And she said, well, I'm sorry, we don't intake till Monday and you need a doctor's referral. So I said, okay, thank you. I hung up. And I remember putting my head on the steering wheel. It was winter, crying and crying and crying. And I thought, well, I'm going to call the suicide hotline. I guess that's what you're supposed to do when you're feeling like this. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this is funny, not funny at the time. It's funny now. She said, suicide hotline. She said, hold, please. She put me on hold. What felt like 10 minutes was probably three minutes. And I was said, God, through my tears, you have a sense of humor. I'm at the very end of my rope. I'm calling the suicide hotline and I'm on hold. So I hung up. I was a little angry then, too angry to go through mm-hmm. with going over the edge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ended up in outpatients. They put me in the hospital overnight to save me from myself. And the doctor said, "You know, if I was going through all that blank, I'd be crying too." <laughs> so he validated me. I felt for the first time that I had some validation, and that hey, maybe one person doesn't even know me, maybe understands. So
0: wow, I really appreciate you sharing all this. And it's, I mean, it is it's heavy stuff. Right? It's Any one of those, it's better could be. A- So tell me about that piece, because somebody can hear this and say, how in the world do you come out of this? How do you come back from this? You know, somebody could look at it and say, some of these things are too deep of a wound, too broken of a situation to ever be happy again. But I've seen you smile. (laughs) So what changed? What happened? Where did God show up?
1: God showed up in the most amazing ways. When I finally, I thought, well, what have I got to lose? I relinquished to him all of the broken pieces. Mm. Instead of wanting to give myself whole to him, I just gave him the pieces. That's all I had. And that's all he ever wanted. And so I began to say little snippets of prayers like, God, what's going to happen to me financially? Four times I found a $5 bill within a month. Mm. Four different times, never since, never before. I thought, wow, that's cool. Just little things like that. And so that February of 17, friends, this is the turning point. And I want to say to those that are listening, whatever you may be broken from, just never give up. You can be shattered on the floor in many pieces like I was. But if it's a little thing, just grab onto it and do it. But just hang on to whatever you can to move forward. Well. The Lord was gracious. He had some friends invite me to Florida for two weeks. I sat in the sun. She knew what I was going through. Sat in the sun and made notes and prayed and enjoyed the sun. And God was so good to me. I made lists of how I hadn't taken responsibility. And I could see in myself how I couldn't blame all of it on God. I couldn't blame any of it on God. Mm -hmm. I couldn't blame other people. I had to take some responsibility. And I think that was the beginning of the turnaround for me. I came home. I made little small baby steps, little decisions, and things turned around from there. Yeah.
0: Something you said really stood out to me, you know, you said that you got to a place where you had lost everything, but you finally found a way to give those broken pieces to God. And actually two things popped in my mind, the lost everything piece just evoked in my mind all the times that that's what Jesus is inviting us to. Or when the rich young man came to Jesus and said, I've kept all the commands, I've done all the things right. Just like you said, I've done everything right. So is there anything else I need to do? And, you know, Jesus says... Yeah, sell all you have and give it to the poor, and follow me. Basically, die to the life that you know, die to your wealth, die to your resources, your insecurity, your own provision, die to all that, and follow me. And that's a hard call. Like we hear that, and the reality is, is there's so many things in our lives that we just do not want to die to. But you were kind of brought into a place where you didn't have a choice, right? But then that brings you to that second thing that it made me think of, just seeing that image of the shattered doll and our propensity to grab those pieces and hold on to them because we don't want them to break anymore. We don't want to lose them or anything like that. Meanwhile, God's standing there with super glue, like (laughs) just waiting for you to give the pieces over and then you do. And suddenly you begin to see things that weren't hidden before. You just weren't looking for them or you didn't understand them or you didn't want to see them. (laughs) Like suddenly you're able to understand life, engage with life in a much different way. Mm So how are things different now? And particularly, I want to hear you've had a relationship with God for you know pretty much your whole life, right? And not just a relationship with God that was on the surface, but you were trying to do all the right things and you were trying to seek him with all your heart. You were trying the best you knew how to do these things. How do you understand God differently now than you understood him then?
1: Well, and I just want to clarify, I tried to do everything right. It doesn't mean I did. (laughs) Yep. yep. (laughs) I'll clarify that. But how do I see God now? I see him in such a loving, gentle father that I always knew he was, but I never experienced until I was completely broken and shattered. And I know that's why sometimes he allows us to go through these things. So we can see that we're not loved for what we do. We're loved because he is love and he loves us. And that's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how broken we are. He has the glue, if you will, to put us back together. But we have to. He'd rather take us in pieces than for us to try to be whole all our lives and say, look, God, I did it by myself. That's not what he wants. We can't do that anyway. And that's not understanding the gospel. If we think we can earn any of our salvation, we can't. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's funny. There's something I wrote down a while back as you were talking that you reminded me of. Mm-hmm. I wrote the word abiding. And the reason I wrote it is because I've been invited by my friend Chris and to join him and a group of men in reading through this book called Awesome, written by Eastman. Mm -hmm. And it's a 30-day devotional walking through different names for Jesus. And each day is a different name. So today was the abiding Jesus. And he goes through talking about what does it mean for Jesus to abide, for us to abide in him. And then he has a whole bunch of names for Jesus that end each book. I think it's like 800 or something (laughs) names of Jesus that he's found over decades of journaling and looking through scripture. And I was really struck by something in what is shared. And I think I'll just read what I wrote to share with the guys. In our humanity, we can read the verse in John 15 that says, if you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love and slip into legalism or anxiety around perfectly keeping the commands ourselves. But we forget the preceding verse in John 14, 23, that says, loving me empowers you to obey my word. It goes on to talk of the power of God's love for us. So the starting point of abiding then is not perfection or our own efforts, but love. So just now you were talking about God's love. And I think that's the place that we find ourselves often is, I think it's an understandable thing because there is a logic to our approach of saying, in order to get to this perfect God, we need to be more and more like him, more and more perfect. We need to do things right. Or put another way, a perfect God will not accept me if I am doing the things that I'm doing now, will not want to even look at me because I would be disgusting to look at. And yet scripture invites us to abide. And I love that what this emphasizes, you have that John 15 passage that we hold to a lot, but that John 14 passage emphasizes that yes, as we keep the commands, we will abide more. But And in our own efforts, we can't do that. You even noted, you're like, yeah, sure. I was trying to see God, but that doesn't mean I was doing it right. (laughs) Right. And John 14 spells it out that if we love him, then he will empower us to obey the commandments that then allow us to get more and more into his love. But it all starts with love. And the fact that it emphasizes God's love for us in that same verse in John 14, shows that it's not even about us being able to love because we don't even know how to do that well. It's that God first loved us and that his love for us then allows us to know what it looks like to love him, which allows us to then learn what it looks like to walk towards him and to love him through our actions So I love that what you said kind of confirmed this thought that's been popping my head, that perfection isn't the pursuit, loving God is the pursuit. So how is it now easier for you to love God? How is it easier for you to know what to do?
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. I love that, what you just shared. The Lord answered some prayers big time for me because I thought, well, what have I got to lose now? I'm just going to pray some really impossible prayers. You know, I'm just Mm going to pray things outlandish for me. So I prayed. I said, God, would you give me one more crack at love and marriage? Just one more. I said, would you give me a home? I had lots of homes, but just give me a place to call my own. And would you give me a spirit of gratitude that maybe I never had all my life? Those were things I asked him. And also I asked him if he could deliver me from an addiction. In the last years of my first marriage, I started to drink and I knew that that was bad for me. And I said, Lord, would you take that from me? Because I know that's not right. I know it. But at the time, I remember thinking, well, what the heck, you know, like everything's messed up anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I said those four things and God answered. The other thing I said was two of my sons were away from the Lord. And I said, Lord, could you bring my sons back to you? Every one of those prayers were answered. That's how gracious God was. That's how gracious He was when I gave the pieces to Him and dared to ask for the impossible. Mm. How can I not smile and be joyful and be grateful now? Yeah,
0: that's really good. What you just shared brings to mind a question that could be a hard question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. <laughs> Because, you know, what you talked about is that you were asking for these impossible things to have a home, to have a healthy marriage. Right. And I imagine, well, let me preface it by this. The other thing that popped my head as you were sharing and, and mostly as you were talking about how you were trying to do all the right things is it reminded me of the story of the prodigal son, but namely the other brother. That had stayed and had continued to work and had continued to do these things. And then when he saw his father loving the prodigal son so deeply, he got mad because he's like, I've been just slaving for you all these years. And look at you, like you're loving this guy who disgraced you. And something the father said was, Well, you never asked me, something to that effect. Right. And I imagine that there had been plenty of things that the older brother had asked for, right? That he had asked for dinner. He had asked for opportunities. Hey, can I use the barn for my friends to come out? Right. Like he had probably asked for things. Yeah. So it's not like he had never asked his father for anything. So there's something different in what the father was saying at that moment, what it was that he was inviting the son to ask for that the son had never asked for. And so I preface that because as you, at this later point, are praying for a healthy marriage and for a healthy home and for all these things, I imagine that those are things you had also prayed about in the past, Mm -hmm. that you had probably in the past prayed for a healthy marriage and for a healthy home. So the question is this, what do you think was different about how you asked or maybe even what you asked for at this later point than in those first moments in those earlier parts in your life?
1: I know the answer to that. I didn't Mm -hmm. know if I would or not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I asked and prayed about these things, I prayed for my children, my marriage, health, all kinds of things. I asked them as if, well, don't I deserve something from you? Don't I don't I deserve this? Don't I deserve that for all I've done for you? And it's hard to admit that we thought that, that we could have been that proud. But I'm at the stage in my life where if God asks me to be vulnerable about some of this, I will be, because I hid for so many years. I hid behind anybody finding any flaw at all. So then I felt like, well, God, maybe you owe me just a little bit without saying it that way. It mm-hmm. was in now, it's like, God, you asked me what the difference was. When I pray now, when I prayed that impossible prayer, it's like, I don't deserve anything from you, Lord, because I'm a sinner like everybody else. I made many, many mistakes, but because of who you are and not because of who I am. I'm going to pray these prayers. If they're answered, it's not because it's a reward for something I've done. I've got so many brownie points. It's just because you love me. Mm. That's the difference. Yeah.
0: That's so good. <laughs> that, is, that is really, it's so important because I think I want to say all of us have to navigate that and it can take different forms. Like that pride can take different forms. It can take the form of look at all i have done surely i deserve this right like i think of the pharisees and how they would say i have kept the law i have done all these things i know the scripture so i deserve this but it can also take the form of i don't deserve that god i have not done anything so bad as to deserve what you're doing to me Mm -hmm. And, and i resonate with what you're sharing that there have been times that i prayed for things even with the best of intentions but there is still that undercurrent of god i don't deserve to be hurt like this so why are you allowing me to be hurt i can think specifically as you were talking i was reminded of a time a couple years ago maybe even two years maybe not to the day but years ago sitting at the top of a waterfall in chico california there's so many things that I wanted to communicate to God, but because I live in an urban context, so houses are really close and I have a wife and kids, my conversations with God often are internal, right? But there are sometimes you are so frustrated with God that you just want to shout and call it out. No. And so this was one of those rare opportunities that I had walked a mile to get to the top of this waterfall and nobody was within a mile radius of me. And so I let them have it. And I'm like, I have tried God to seek you. I have given up so much. I'm trying to do everything right. And I am furious with you for continuing to allow these things to happen. And and the good news is, is that at that point in my relationship with God, I had gotten to a point where I understood that God was a good father. And I understood that my logic was flawed, Mm -hmm. but I was still in a place where I was still mad, that I still like, even though I know you're not a vindictive, mean God that's trying to hurt me, I'm still mad at you for hurting me. (laughs) I'm still blaming you for allowing it to happen. It was a good moment to be able to get it out because we often hold these things in Mm We often like bottle them up. And sometimes it's not entirely our fault because maybe we don't have a strong support network. Maybe the people we have tried to share with have taken advantage of our openness, have wounded us, have accused us of things. And I'm, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking of specific moments and specific relationships. And how did you find a restoration in the way that you can interact with God? How did you recognize that shift From that, as you said at the beginning, this father that you had to do all the right things to earn his love, to now someone that you could humbly say, hey, I'm asking you for something that I do not deserve. And believe that you can actually come before him with the audacity to ask for such a thing.
1: Mm -hmm. You touched on several of those things because he is a good God and he wants the best for us. In order for us to learn that about him, he allows us to go through some difficult things as a father would do. You get to a point where you have nothing to lose. And God wants us to be to the place where he's the last hope we have. We might've tried everything else. And that's really sad. We should go to him first. But even when you were there at the top of the waterfall, yelling at God, he knew it was going to happen and he can take it because he understands our frame. He understands what we're made of and he loves us anyway.
0: Yeah, it's like in our minds in those moments, we cannot perceive a way that anything could ever be better or ever be restored. And so we understandably are at our wits end, right? And in your lowest moment, logically, you could see no way to get to where you are now. No. Like there's just no way, no way that there could be enough healing, enough restoration, enough support, enough care, enough opportunities, enough resources. And meanwhile, God looks and his possibilities are limitless. His capacity to do anything is only determined by his decision to do something. And so he looks at us in our most broken moments and hears us saying, there is no hope. And he's like, oh, no, I am the hope. (laughs) I can do anything. You know, we've got all these broken pieces. We've got all these things that we're holding on to. And God has made it explicitly clear in scripture that all of these things that are so important to us, that we are grasping on so tightly all of them fade away. None of them actually last. And so he and in his infinite wisdom who is not bound by time that sees all of it is looking at us getting so bent out of shape over these small grains of dust that are fading away. We're trying so hard to protect them and keep them going. He's like, I know it's hard to let those go, but if only you could understand that those things aren't going to last, those things are never going to provide for you what you think they will. And you're holding on to those while at the same time, I'm standing here saying, I am what you are looking for. I am the one that lasts. And thank goodness he is patient and merciful <laughs> that he is willing to walk with us through that process, just as Jesus did with the disciples. How many times must he have looked at them and heard them complaining and realizing? Y'all have no idea how foolish you sound right now. (laughs) You have no idea how futilely you're exhausting yourself over something. You have no idea how wrong the direction is you're running. And yet he was still there, still lovingly walking with them, still walking them through, calling them out when needed, encouraging them when needed, empowering them when needed, because he knew that they were on a journey and he knew where they could arrive if they would just keep on walking. Mm So what would you say to somebody who may not realize that their journey is not ending, right? that They may be in the place that you were in your car, that this is the end. There is no point in going forward. There is no path ahead. This is the end. What would you say to someone who's at that point in life that does not recognize the hope, the opportunities, the love that God has for them? What would you encourage them as a next simple step? That, like you said, that small thing to grab onto.
1: Well, I know it sounds cliche, but If your heart's still beating and you're still breathing, you're supposed to be here. That's not what we're going to think at that time, obviously. So if there's just a little inkling in your spirit that tells you you want to live, that's reason enough to go on. You know, 99% of your being might want to leave and to take yourself out. But if there's just a little bit of a spark there, God can take that and do great things with it. Just give that to him and and just see what happens and like that night I just went to the hospital I didn't know what else to do, and just live one moment at a time don't look too far out there just look at the very next step take one step at a time, and never give
0: up. That's good. And then off of that, you know, we talked earlier about how, you know, you can't be beloved if you're broken. And so our gut instinct is to strive for perfection, or if there is brokenness within us to try to hide that, disguise it, cover it up, leave no signs of the brokenness. You know, I've heard often the story of, I believe it's a Japanese art form and I could be wrong, but there's this art form of taking a clay pot or something like that. And if it shatters, taking the pieces and maybe it's inlaying with gold or something like that, but you use something beautiful to bring those pieces back together. And suddenly it is this new thing. And in our minds, the best life is the one without hardship, without brokenness, without divorce or alcohol addiction or cancer or homelessness. That is the best life and a life with any one of those, much less all of those, that is not a good life. How is it that God is using and you've touched on this but I want to come back to it how is it that God is using these this brokenness that you would have wanted to avoid in your life to suddenly create a life that is abundantly more to suddenly create value? How is it that those things aren't things to hide or disguise but are actually now a beautiful part of who you are and who God's calling you to be?
1: Well like that bowl you talk about that's put back together I like to use the term God can beautifully, put us back together. And he has been beautifully putting me back together in ways I couldn't have understood before. And he has given me that spirit of gratitude for every day. I'm so thankful for everything that he's given me because it's like everything's a gift from him now. And I should have been thinking that all along, but sometimes we don't appreciate things as we should. So when I was at the very lowest point there, I needed some help. I needed somebody to help me that had been there. And I did have one good friend that helped me through it, bless her heart. But I needed something to hang on to in the natural. I knew I was hanging on to God. And so now I want to be that person, that woman, that friend, that person that will come alongside other women. Because I know I'm not the only woman that has felt that way at different degrees and in different ways. There's other things but I want to be that person. So I thought, well, how can I do that? Well, you know what the last two years have been like, you know, Mm -hmm. I thought, I don't want to do podcasts, I don't want to do anything online, I'd rather hide behind something else. But I do have a website, and I do call it from broken to beloved, I am writing a book, a collaborative one and a book by the same title, because I know that God brought me through it all to help others and to give him the praise and thanksgiving that I'm here. So I want to help others. And so I'm taking one thing at a time and getting into this uh, world of tech and taking one step at a time and asking him for direction.
0: Yeah that's really good and i think it's so important it's the theme that keeps coming up this idea of how god is inviting us to use our stories for his glory how how he's inviting us to use our stories to not just show love to him but to show love to others and how there is this beautiful value and something that we would have wanted to hide at other parts in our life that like you said god's inviting you to share things that you wouldn't have wanted to share because he knows what he's doing he knows that this is about more than just us and so as we wrap up i usually ask two questions you've already pretty much answered the first, which is if somebody wanted to connect with you, if somebody wanted to connect with your content, how do they do that? Is there anything else you want to say on that? And could you also just share again the website?
1: It's from broken to beloved.com And I am working on a, a mentoring program for mid-February. So if anybody has any questions and if they feel that might benefit them, they can check that out.
0: And then my last question is, Is there anything else in your heart or mind that you want to share before we go?
1: I do. Remember, I started out with the quilt.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: Yes, I started it with the quilt. It's one of my most treasured possessions. It's still not finished. Mm. It's a work in progress, just as I'm not finished, a work in progress. And just as my Sunday school teacher asked us to bring pieces that are ugly, pieces that are pretty, and we'll put it all together and make a beautiful quilt. Well, it's like my life, you know, it takes the dark pieces and the light pieces and the pretty pieces and the pieces we don't like. And he puts them all together to make a beautiful thing. And I see my life as that crazy quilt. And when all the pieces are together, he makes it beautiful.
0: One of the big lies we face when in the midst of brokenness is that we are broken because we're awful or because God doesn't love us or because we weren't spiritual enough. But what if brokenness can exist no matter what your level of faith? I mean, we look at scripture and we find that so many of the heroes of the faith had to navigate brokenness. Take David, for example. He is called a man after God's own heart. And yet he's the one who wrote Psalm 51, a very broken psalm. And he wrote this after the prophet Nathan came to him after he had committed adultery against Bathsheba and killed her husband. And David says this in the midst of his brokenness. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous in burnt offerings offered whole then bulls will be offered on your altar my sacrifice o god is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart you god will not despise this psalm comes at the single most broken moment of david's life and what we find here is an awareness within him of his brokenness, of his sinfulness, of God's justification in any judgment he places on him, but also an awareness of God's love, mercy, grace, presence, compassion. David simultaneously knows that he is broken and that he is beloved. We exhaust ourselves trying to avoid brokenness, trying to hide brokenness, trying to disguise brokenness. But what if we were a little more like David in this moment, that we were honest about the brokenness, but honest as well about God's love? How might things change if we stopped running from brokenness and started running towards God? You've got brokenness in your life. I do too. And how we understand that and how we understand God is going to shape what tomorrow looks like. But we have a God who loves us and who knew us even before we were born who desires full life for us, and all we have to do is accept his invitation, to accept it even when we are broken, to accept it even when brokenness lies ahead. Because if you're listening to Patricia's story and thinking, wow, she's in a great place now, she is still on a journey and still navigating brokenness.
1: On Christmas Day 2020, I've been remarried now three and a half years, a Christmas day, 2020. My husband and I spent the day in outpatients and he was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. Just 13 months ago. And so he's doing fine. We've had the chemo and the treatments and all that, and he is doing fine. But I look at it as being a dark piece of that quilt of life and God will put the gold around it or something pretty around it and it'll turn out for good as well. So We lived a moment at a time this year, being thankful for what we have and seeing answers to prayer. He's given me joy that I never would have had
0: otherwise. In her lifetime, Patricia has faced low moments that she never thought she would have ever faced. Moments of severe brokenness, of hopelessness, of loneliness. And she also found restoration. She found the pieces put back together. But she still has to choose to step each day towards God to trust each day in his love, even when new things like cancer burst through her door. She knows there will still be dark patches on that quilt, but that that quilt is going to be something beautiful when it is whole. That when she sees the fullness of what God has done, both the beautiful patches and the dirty patches and the dark patches and the light patches, she will holistically see the story that God has given her, a story that's not just for her, but that brings glory to God and hope to others. God is crafting your story as well. God is sewing together your quilt as well. And the question is, are you willing for him to use whatever pieces he puts in front of you? Are you willing to trust his design for what he is crafting uniquely for you? Are you willing to accept the brokenness, knowing that you are beloved and he is making something beautiful? So when the brokenness of your life comes to your mind, Remember that he is with you and ask yourself, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation, but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation, but feel like maybe you should, since it's part of the Bible? Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One, you could go to www.wharedityouseegod.com revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback, whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're gonna want a place to write things out because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, get it for free, get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money, but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of their music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?